For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I wish I were a central banker. For as we explained in this latest readout video from our Wednesday wake-up email newsletter, those lucky people don't just get paid major bucks to pump out even more of them and collect inflation-adjusted pensions when they retire, they also get to save the planet from climate breakdown on the side, or perhaps front and centre. As the Telegraph just noted, quote, Bank of England told to ditch green obsession as prices surge, end quote. Now, we searched the Bank of England website on June 10th and got 557 hits for climate change, while inflation got 6,844. So you might think, well, at least they're mostly focused on the right thing. But unfortunately, those 557 hits aren't warnings about how politicians' obsession with fighting climate change by making energy unaffordable is contributing to the inflation problem the bank's trying to solve. And far, far worse is the Reserve Bank of Australia, where our search for climate change yielded 9,856 hits and inflation just 4,978. Does anyone still do the job they were hired to do? Perhaps it's carping to observe that even the green-obsessed Australian media has been forced to admit the climate emergency is a bust. Quote, despite floods, pandemic, and economic hardship, one key Aussie industry is set to have its best season yet, end quote, and it's farming. Quote, Australia is expected to deliver its best summer crop on record despite a challenging year for farmers, end quote. But when's the last time farmers didn't have a challenging year with rain, drought, pests, the whole thing? As Calvin Coolidge memorably may have told a delegation of farmers with usual complaints, better get religion. If you want to get a real crisis, look past farming to climate policy. The BBC just ran a story, quote, Landlady gives up pub as quarterly energy bills near 30,000 pounds, end quote, about one Miranda Richardson, whose live and let live pub in Harpole, Northampton, will be let die instead because its electricity bill alone had reached 20,000 pounds every three months, and quote, unlike households, firms are not protected by an energy price cap, end quote. Meanwhile, the Daily Mail reported that, quote, Britons on low incomes are being forced to sell their cars due to soaring petrol prices, end quote, according to the president of a motoring group. Which, of course, was sort of the plan, right? The mail continues, quote, It comes as the average cost of filling a typical family car with petrol has exceeded £100 for the first time, end quote. Which, if you're familiar with how small a typical family car is in Britain and how big a pound is in dollar terms, will horrify you or should. Especially if you're a central banker whose gaze, when it wanders from the rate of inflation, currently 9% according to the Bank of England website, moves not to greener pastures, but to other indications of a collapse in financial stability. And yet, Net Zero Watch recently had to rebuke the Bank of England for including as one of its climate obsessions a climate stress test for financial institutions whose underlying projection was even less plausible than the exploded RCP 8.5. Now, by the way, the Bank of Canada's mission statement is impeccable. Quote, we are Canada's central bank. We work to preserve the value of money by keeping inflation low and stable, end quote. And it had just 228 mentions of climate change and 2,826 for inflation. And over at the Fed in the United States, the pledge is, quote, the Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of the United States, provides the nation with a safe, flexible, and stable monetary and financial system, end quote, and the ratio of climate change to inflation hits was a very healthy 190 to 16,235. But until they get a much better job on their day job of preventing inflation, we really don't want to hear from them about their hobby of fixing the weather. And Australians may well have similar views. Just two weeks ago, we told you they'd blundered by entrusting power to a deep green Labour Party committed to getting them out of the climate naughty corner and into the renewable energy superpower Skycastle. 
And now comes a news story that, quote, Australia's energy crisis has deepened after AGL Energy lost half its capacity at the giant Bayswater coal plant, the second largest power station in the national electricity market, while a breakdown at its Victorian Loyang A facility could take an extra two months to fix, end quote. So prices are surging because about a third of coal generation, and that's normally 60% of Australia's total supply, is out of service. So there's a reality check that didn't bounce. Instead, it went thud. And of course, there are a lot of short-term excuses, including, quote, mechanical faults, extended maintenance, and supply issues, end quote. But the bigger problem is failure to invest in workable kinds of energy because you believed in unworkable kinds. And it's happening in a lot of places. The Times just warned that in Britain, quote, millions warned of power cuts this winter, ministers delay closure of coal-fired generators over fear of gas shortages caused by Ukraine war, end quote. So, what kind of rapid attitude adjustment can we expect from politicians who just swept to victory on a tide of unrealistic expectations? On the whole, the record's not good. Normally, you have to vote them out to get their attention, and not even that always works. But just in case, we mentioned to Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese that to keep the lights on, you need sources of energy that have been proven to work. And now, a word from our sponsor. And yes, it's still you. And we want to thank all the people who've responded to our appeals by making a one-time or monthly pledge. For the rest of you, I really want to emphasize, for us to produce the videos, for us to produce the newsletters, and keep injecting sanity into the climate debate, what we need is for one in six of our YouTube subscribers to click here and make a pledge of $2 a month, $3 a month, $5 a month. That's what it's going to take to sustain our efforts for as long as they're needed. So click here, cup of coffee a month, that'll keep us in business. And now, back to me. Something else we mentioned in the newsletter is that one climate-related point on which there does seem to be a 97% consensus among alarmists is that it's vitally important to hold the total global temperature increase over pre-industrial times to 1.5 degrees Celsius. It's enshrined in the Paris Agreement, endorsed by all the great and good, and it's meant to be the end result of massive global scientific research, right? The Economist assures us in its usual plummy tones that, quote, the world is failing to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, and the consequences are dire, end quote. Dire, mind you. And John Kerry, whose statements on climate are a never-ending source of amusement, just insisted that 1.5 wasn't simply, quote, pulled out of the sky, end quote. Which is technically true. Leading alarmist scientist Phil Jones, he of the ClimateGate CRU at the University of East Anglia, said back in 2007 that the 2 degrees Celsius figure was, quote, pulled out of thin air, end quote. Not the same thing at all. Oh, and here's something William Watson wanted to mention in the Financial Post. He went looking for Canada's leading climate villain. He went looking for the callous wretch among us with the biggest carbon footprint. And was it an oil billionaire? A virtue-signaling celebrity? Why, it's, it's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Watson writes that, quote, Since May 1st, by calculations based on his official daily itinerary and an internet distance between two points app, he has flown more than 38,000 kilometers. That's just 2,000 kilometers less than Earth's circumference, around the world in 38 days, end quote. Now, you might also note that Trudeau, who ostentatiously covers his face in public in Canada to emphasize how splendid he is on COVID as well, also routinely appears with no mask when he's with, for instance, California Governor Gavin Newsom. But to claim, therefore, that he doesn't believe what he says about COVID or climate would be an error. He really believes his own guff. 
In fact, it's astonishing the shameless way in which Trudeau tells everyone who can stand to listen to him how marvelous he is. For instance, on visiting with the beleaguered Newsom, he and the governor put out a joint statement that, quote, the world's leading climate scientists have made it clear our window to avoid the worst impacts of climate change is narrowing faster than expected, end quote. And I could say something snide about settled science, but instead I'm going to keep quoting. And success requires unprecedented collective effort and transformational change, from clean technology and biodiversity conservation to zero-emission transportation and a circular economy, the new Canada-California Climate Action and Nature Protection Partnership will deliver for our citizens and deepen our economic partnership. Together, we can fight climate change and protect nature while building inclusive, thriving economies that work for everyone, especially disadvantaged communities that are most impacted by climate change, end quote. And just a day earlier, Trudeau had issued a joint statement with Mia Motley, who, as you all don't know, is not merely Prime Minister of Barbados, but a co-chair with his justinity of the United Nations Secretary General's Sustainable Development Goals Advocates, SDGs, that included, quote, We must provide a greater space for the voices of youth, women, and girls in all of their diversity, indigenous peoples, persons with disabilities, and other historically marginalized groups to be heard and respected. We must also ensure that our international institutions work for all of us, and in particular, that they are responding to the needs of the most vulnerable and those most impacted by the new challenges of the climate crisis and the debt overhang of the pandemic, end quote. You're not going to make people accomplishing that sort of stuff travel steerage or work by phone, now are you? Honestly, under, quote, Prime Minister strengthens partnerships on climate action, democracy, gender equality, economic growth at Summit of the Americas, end quote, we also heard on June 10th that among many other amazing accomplishments, quote, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, today concluded his participation at the ninth Summit of the Americas in Los Angeles, California, where he joined hemispheric leaders to work on the key challenges of our time, including tackling climate change and advancing gender equality while driving economic growth that benefits everyone. The world leaders agreed to work together to support strong democratic institutions, take ambitious climate action, drive trade and economic growth that benefits everyone, advance gender equality and LGBTQI rights, and support health care, particularly for women and girls and the most vulnerable. The leaders also condemned Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine and agreed to work closely with partners across the Americas and around the world to continue to hold Russia accountable and support Ukrainians, including those who have been displaced." And you're going to carp about a few tons of CO2 when he's busy saving the environment, women, the marginalized, the economy, Ukraine, and also preventing world famine? You're the wretches. From this point of view, it's equally obvious that both the Minister of Environment of Canada and Climate Change of Canada and our Minister of Natural Resources, plus however many staffers, including communications people, had to fly to Germany for a three-day conference to hobnob with their fellow wizards back in May because, quote, when it comes to keeping our air clean and protecting our planet, here it comes, folks, the world can't afford to take a step back. Over three days of meetings with their international counterparts, the Minister of Environment and Climate Change, the Honorable Stephen Gilbeau, and the Minister of Natural Resources, the Honorable Jonathan Wilkinson, championed Canada's international role in tackling climate change, building strong partnerships to advance energy and mineral security, and taking urgent action to prevent, protect nature and halt biodiversity loss, end quote. Championed, no less. What you see is what you get. It may not be pretty, but it's also not fake. Oh, apparently you also get to see stumps. Trees are enjoying something of a vogue among the climate alarmists because apparently they're all supposedly dying. This news story, quote, trees are dying much faster in northern Australia. Climate change is probably to blame, end quote. 
And if we plant more, they'll just catch fire and defeat the purpose. It's not obvious on what cue the chorus switches seamlessly from polar bears to corals to trees and back, though it is clear that if some ordinary but dramatic event occurs, such as a wildfire, the alarmists all swoop in to tell us it's proof of man-made climate breakdown. Back in 2016, it was Canada's Fort McMurray wildfire, then in 2021, the BC fires, unless it was 2018. So, what wooden head claims we're having no more fires than in 1870? The Department of Natural Resources? That's awkward, especially as Blacklock's reporter further notes, quote, cabinet has blamed wildfires on climate change, end quote. Which, to give it credit for bureaucratic slipperiness, the department sort of tried to do. But it also blurted out the truth, quote, the decline in fire frequency is due to a decline in human-caused ignitions, end quote, and, quote, the current rate of burning is still lower than historic levels, end quote. Also, one curious feature of climate alarmism that we've noted with a mix of detached interest and personal engagement is that it tends to correlate with deep faith in computer modeling of COVID and a scorched earth approach to anyone who asks questions as a moronically scientifically illiterate denier. So we're not even slightly surprised to read in the Globe and Mail that the humanitarian representative to Canada of Doctors Without Borders, Médecins Sans Frontières, and also its humanitarian affairs advisor on climate, environment, and health, just warned us that monkeypox is coming for us and it's because of climate change, or that, quote, the only way forward is to put lives over profit, end quote. Yeah, because socialism's worked so well every other time it was tried. Like computer modeling, come to think of it. Also, if you watched our video on the Pentagon's cracked crystal ball, and if you haven't, great fun awaits you, you'll know that one of the recurring elements in the alarmist bag of modeling tricks is shutting down the Gulf Stream and plunging Europe into a new ice age courtesy of global warming. Now, the Gulf Stream, or as climate insiders prefer to call it, the Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation, or AMOC, is certainly real, but the idea that global warming will shut it off is mere speculation. Not that there's anything wrong with speculation, it's how science progresses provided you then test the guesses against the data. And now, with the benefit of the longest AMOC reconstruction yet devised, scientists have determined that there's been no trend for the past 120 years. It sped up from 1900 to 1960, slowed down to the 70s, sped up again, slowed down, sped up. You get the idea, right? Namely, scratch another scare story off the list. Speaking of which, it occurred to us that we've been using sea level data collected in Liverpool on our virtual tour of sunny and not so sunny beachfronts, but we hadn't actually visited Liverpool's beaches. So we went across the Mersey looking for local records and found that modern data only begins in the 1990s, most of it's missing after 2004, so we sailed around the US coast through a sea of scattered and incomplete gauge records past the Orkneys and finally washed up in Bergen, Norway, where they've got a long record that's only missing one year. And no, Bergen's not redundant after going to Tromso. They're almost 2,000 kilometers apart if you cut off the fords. But on making sure, we announced to the locals that they better take cover because their sea level's rising by over a millimeter a year and will hit a full meter in just 905 years. But we may have mispronounced Dera Borda Dankning because they seem to be going about their business unperturbed. Maybe it's because the chart gives the impression that the entire increase happened in the one gap year of 1988 where there's no data. As with the solar intensity data during the Akram Gap, the subject of another recent video, it gets tricky to follow the science when the science has a habit of disappearing then reappearing somewhere else. Mercifully, this week CO2Science.org avoided soybeans. Instead, it took a look at the rain in Tibet falling mainly in the last 1700 years and found a complicated pattern that seemed to involve geography and, there it is again, the sun. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. 
and I'm so busy saving the planet from daffy bureaucrats and politicians that I just can't bicycle everywhere. I'm sure you understand. <laughs>